Hi, I'm Erin Hartz. Welcome to Grace Plus Boundaries, a weekly memoir in a podcast. I've realized through the past decade of my recovery that I learn the most about emotional maturity through listening to the triumphant stories of others. Are you yearning to unpack the effects of intergenerational trauma in your life? Do you want to stay true to your feelings, yet also learn how to accommodate the sensibilities of your loved ones? I'm dedicated to cracking the code of combining boundary setting with grace towards one another. Educate, evaluate, and evolve. Let's do this together. Well, hello. Thanks for coming back. And I'm here today to talk again about dating as a single person, maybe after divorce or dating as a single mom, or maybe dating after realizing that we have trauma. So that's how my story goes. And so today I'm going to dive back into the past and tell another story about my dating experience since my divorce and becoming a single mom. So last episode, 41, I talked about dating death trap number one, where I believed the words over actions of the person I was quote unquote friends with, and then that ended up in a way I wasn't quite imagining. And, you know, I learned my lesson from that. And today I'm going to be talking about what I call dating death trap number two. And this one is jumping to conclusions. So I'm going to describe the situation to you, but I've done this, you know, many more times. And I have to say that, you know, this was maybe 2016 that this happened. No, maybe 2018, I guess. And so what, that's four years ago. And I still feel like I have a little bit of trouble with this in dating where I jump to conclusions either on the good side or I jump to conclusions on the bad side. So like I used to jump to conclusions on the good side, like the story I'm going to tell today, where like if someone picked up trash for, you know, for fun, just to help the environment, I was like, wow, they are such a good person. And then, you know, that was like I could date them because they checked that box for me or something. When like that's only one little thing out of a ton of things that make up a complex person or dating. The other side of that that I deal with more now dating is jumping to conclusions in the negative way. Like if I just was talking to this person online who saw his children one day a week. And to me, I kind of jumped to conclusions in my head. Like I can't date someone that only sees their kids one time a week, one day, and then what the mom takes care of them six days and he takes care of them one. Like that just doesn't really seem right to me. But that could be my value system. So I have to ask myself those questions sometimes like, is this because of my values or am I just being a little bit too picky, kind of jumping to those conclusions instead of investigating how that all came about and hearing how he talks about it? And that could tell me a lot more besides just deciding right then that this is not good enough for me. It's definitely trying to find a balance in a way. And for me, I think it's just I make snap decisions a lot when I'm dating. And I really think that comes out of fear. It's like I want to think things are all safe or I want to stay away if things seem dangerous. And some of that is really healthy. Like there definitely are red flags and I can identify some of those now. And those are a definite say no. But then there's some in the middle that I get a little bit too judgmental about. And I want to work on that a little bit. 
All right. So I'm going back to 2018. So the last story I told was 2016. And so right after that happened in 2016 with that person I called Amanda, I moved with my son to the West Coast and his dad stayed on the East Coast. So there I was, a single mom for the first time, fully living with my son alone. And I went back to work then too, because I had been a stay-at-home mom for the three years that he was alive. So I was looking for a job. I enrolled him in preschool, which was really hard for me since I had gotten to be with him most of the time. But, um, you know, it was really good for him because I needed to have him around other kids and have that socialization. But just I I think I didn't want him to have to go that long to preschool, but it, it ended up really working out and it was a lovely preschool And it was wonderful. I mean, they helped potty train him. They really helped me um, because I was, you know, a single mom. I couldn't do it all alone. I needed support. And that preschool was amazing. So at that time, I was so busy. And just the newness of being a single parent, it's so overwhelming in so many ways. And so my point in saying that is that I didn't have really any time to date. And it really wasn't even on my mind at that time. I was so busy and just trying to find a job. And luckily, I got one that was part time that paid well teaching. I got really lucky. And I started, you know, finding a new therapist, going to therapy. So it actually wasn't, it was about two years before I really dated again. 2018 was the first time I again met someone, someone that didn't drink. And I didn't drink then either. I think I was like a year and a half since I'd quit drinking by that point. And I felt at that time that it was kind of hard to find another person that didn't drink. I really think from 2018 until now, 2022, there are much more people that decide not to drink for a lot of reasons. And But I think back in 2018, it was still kind of new enough for me. And I don't think there was that sober curiosity that's kind of going around now. I think more people were still drinking a lot. So anyway, I thought it was a cool thing that this guy didn't drink. We both were runners. So on our first couple dates, we just went running together. And he was a really good runner, um, fast. And he had done a lot of distance stuff, which was pretty impressive. I mean, he was educated, smart. Um, He had a couple kids that were teenagers and seemed to care about them. So like there were a lot of things that I thought were good about this guy. And I think I really jumped to conclusions about that he must be a 100% good person that I should date because these other things sounded good in his life. But then I come to the times that we were actually together on the dates that we weren't running. I started to notice I felt really uncomfortable around him, yet I didn't do anything about that. Um, He was quite a bit older than me. He was about 15 years older than me, and I wasn't sure I really liked him that much, but I kind of was keeping myself in denial about it because I'm like, what's there not to like? We have all these things in common. And he seemed to treat me nice and gave me compliments. And I think I was really in need of some compliments at that time in my life. I didn't have a lot of positive reinforcement going on or enough to keep myself happy. So once he gave me those words of affirmation, which is my top love language, I was just stuck on it, even though I didn't, I I felt uncomfortable around him a little bit sometimes. And I'd say at least half the time. 
but I was in and I went back in denial. So that's one of those traits of codependency is instead of seeing reality, my brain to protect itself, I guess, would put itself in denial where I was feeling confused about how I felt. And I remember at one point, I would wake up in the middle of the night and just have some bad feelings of like, I feel like he's going to steal something from me or rob me or something. I'm like, that's dumb. Like, of course, he's not going to take my money. That It was a metaphorical thing. You know, dreams are metaphorical. So I think in those dreams, it was showing me that I couldn't trust him emotionally, that he wasn't a trustworthy person. So then, you know, the relationship went on. It was a short relationship, only like a month. But we, he and I both at that time did not have a job. Like for teaching, I still had a couple weeks off until the school year started again. And then he was kind of looking for a job. He did have one job, but it wasn't um, very demanding at that time. So he could kind of pick and choose his hours. So we spent a lot of time together The in those first few weeks, like I'd say we probably saw each other two or three times a week, which now I know in the beginning of dating that I would never spend that much time with somebody in the beginning because I need a lot of time in between to kind of check my feelings and see if I'm if I'm feeling all right about moving forward with this person. Um, so that was definitely a mistake. And then when we were getting physical with, with each other, there were definitely some red flags that I see now that back then I think I was uncomfortable about, but I I wish I would have acted on them. And acting on them, I meant like stop seeing him because he would always be pushing us to do like the next thing. Like if we were kissing, then he'd push to try and grab my ass or something. And I, at one point I was like, I don't want you to do that. I'm not ready for it. And he was like, oh, I was just joking around, you know, and like everything with him was, oh, I was just joking around or, you know, because after I had asked him to do not to do that, I think he like patted me on the butt later that day. And I was like, hey, I told you not to do that. Oh, it was just a joke, blah, blah, blah. And I can hear now while I'm talking about this that, you know, in some ways, it's not my fault that I was a victim of this because I was raised in a family where sarcasm and humor were the way you treated people. And someone could say something so rude and they would be teasing and it's it's just a joke, you know? I didn't really mean it. And that would be sufficient. And now I see that I don't like joking like that. It's not funny to me. It If I said, don't touch this part of my body, then don't touch that part of my body. Like, that's that's really important. I know now not to trust that type of person. And it's not a joke. It certainly wasn't a joke to me then. And it did make me mad. So I really wish at that point I had stop seeing this person. But I was, I think, you know, in some ways, I've wondered if I have some kind of love addiction tendencies. Like, I feel like I was just so enamored with what's going to happen next. Like, I'm interested, or maybe I wanted to have sex or whatever it was. I mean, it had been a really long time, you know. Um, so I think I was kind of more interested in what would happen next. And I allowed that to run the relationship rather than me shielding myself from a person that might be dangerous or a person that maybe they're not dangerous, quote unquote. I mean, I would call that dangerous, but if we don't want to use such strong language, maybe just a boundary violator, right? If my boundary is like, don't touch my leg at that one spot, I don't like it 
then like I would never touch somebody on the leg in that spot. You know, it would not be funny. I, I understand that. And this person, you know, didn't get that. And for whatever reason, and I don't know if that means he's a sociopath, which sometimes I kind of look back and think he is. Um, other times I think, you know, he's just enculturated in this culture that men can take and do what they want to do. And he seriously doesn't get it. And it, whatever the reason is, though, it's not okay. And uh, I continued to date him and to continue to feel uncomfortable, but yet wanted the attention. And it all came to a head one night. And we were laying in bed together. We had not had sex. And um, he kind of persuaded me in a lot of ways to stay there when I wanted to leave, or I almost got date raped. I don't want to go through all the details of that because it's probably too much for a podcast. But basically, I was telling him that I wasn't sure if I was ready to do that. And he kind of just all of a sudden decided it was his time and tried to do that. And thank God I was praying in those last few moments to help myself get out of there because I kind of did that fear response of getting stuck in a situation that I didn't want to be in but not being able to leave. I think that's part of the trauma. And thank goodness something happened and I got to leave before it actually happened. In some ways, this type of date rape situation is incredibly complicated because of me being so codependent and having those tendencies to not be able to declare what I want and not want and me being in fear, kind of like a deer in headlights because of my trauma, I was sending mixed messages if I take my part in it. But on the other hand, he certainly was not listening to what I wanted and he did take advantage of the situation. So I think there is a clear-cut certainty in my mind that he did not care about my feelings and took advantage of me. The wisdom I want to impart by telling this story is that if I could go back there in time to my younger self and tell her something, I'd say, notice when people are boundary violators. Notice when you say, I don't like this, and that person chooses to do it anyway. Or if you're giving, if I was giving the signal, like, I don't really want to kiss you right now, like with my body language, and that person doesn't notice it, that is a huge red flag. Like nowadays, I know that I only date people who are emotionally in tune. If I feel like they're not, and they're trying to kiss me when I obviously am uncomfortable or something like that, then I know that it's only going to get worse if I keep dating them and they're just going to keep taking and taking anytime they think they can. They don't care about my feelings. And, you know, I sometimes want to give them the benefit of the doubt, like this is the way they were raised and blah, blah, blah. But no, it stops here, you know. And um, I did talk to this person after this happened and I told him that, it wasn't okay and that I didn't want that and he acted like he had no idea. You know, and maybe he's ridiculously clueless and that makes him more of a sociopath. I mean, it just, it baffles me now though when I think back there and I'm like, wow, how could I have run straight into that hole? I mean, it was so bad. But one of the pieces of wisdom from this too is that after this, 
after dating this person who turned out to be so horrible, in my opinion, and I thought he had all these great attributes, I realized that I truly, truly had some major issues that I needed to solve about myself. And after that, you know, I didn't date for another couple years. And I got therapy. And I got went started going to a different therapist. And that's when I started find, finding EMDR and eventually started doing the emotional freedom technique, the tapping. And those things helped me go back into that trauma of my childhood and start healing it so that I wouldn't be attracting these kind of situations into my life again to try to get over them. So I really do believe that situations arise in our life in the present that are trying to help us heal the past. And so this situation came up and luckily I did the work as they say and I went back and I took it seriously and I knew that it wasn't my fault that he was a perpetrator but that I need to take responsibility for how can I learn these behaviors so that I'll notice next time I'm with somebody that is a boundary violator when I'm with somebody that doesn't really care about me, that I don't feel good when I'm with somebody and that means I shouldn't be dating them. These things sound so simple, but they're things I didn't know when I was 38 years old. That's why I'm sharing this story today is because I really hope that somebody will be listening to it and maybe hear some things that resonate with them with somebody they're dating and they can maybe stop dating that person or Notice that before it gets bad or start standing up for themselves a little more because that's what I needed is I needed language to help me share my feelings, to help me notice my feelings and identify what I was feeling. I didn't have any of that language of how to stand up for myself and I wasn't ever really sure if I should. Like, do I have the right to stand up for myself here or not? Is this bad? Is this a violation? And basically, if I feel upset about it, then it could be a violation, you know? I wanted to share that story because of that and I hope that you guys got something out of it. I don't want anybody to have to date and have these issues It's so traumatizing. It's re-traumatizing, isn't it? That's what it is. It's re-traumatizing to go through these things again. And I'm grateful now that I know enough to not put myself in those situations. And I get out of them a lot quicker. I'm not saying I don't still make some mistakes here and there. But I get out of them a lot quicker. I recognize the little red flags a lot sooner At least now I can say that I can safely date if I take my time, get to know somebody, maybe video chat with them before I ever meet them in person and really ask them those questions. Don't be afraid of asking them questions and don't always take their answers for 100% truth. Like they can say something and it might not be true. And I just always want to keep that knowledge in my head that We don't know yet if a person is trustworthy until we've known them a long time. It takes me at least about three months to know if I'm thinking this person is pretty trustworthy. If I've seen them in enough situations to say, yeah, I think in general they're telling the truth. I think in general they're in touch with themselves, I think. Because some people don't tell the truth because they're just so checked out of reality. It's like they believe their lies. That's the type of person that I've been around before. They may sound like they're telling the truth because they believe that, but it's not reality. 
look at that. That's why we attracted each other because I wasn't living in reality and he probably wasn't living in reality either in different ways and different opposite ways of the spectrum. Well, take care, survivors. I love you all. Bye-bye. You deserve a big high five and a smile in the mirror for showing up for yourself today. Thank you for your dedication to introspection and self-awareness because our personal evolution is what will make this world a better place. If you enjoyed the episode, please give me a five-star review and share it with a friend. And let me know if you want to be a guest to share how you are navigating intergenerational trauma in your life. You're welcome to join my free monthly goal-setting workshop on the first Wednesday of every month. Just DM me at iHeartsAaron.